1: Welcome to Tennis.com podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Nina Pantic, and I'm introducing a very special episode because my usual co-host, Irina Falcone, is the guest. Hey guys, how's it going? And we're also going to have her boyfriend, Travis Hartman, join us. He is a professional boxer. He's been doing it for 16 years, and he's going to reflect with Irina about pretty much we're going to cover her past year and a year and a half or so, right, Irina? That's right. Uh, We want to talk about why she took a break from tennis and what's brought her back. And the episode we recorded, she was ranked around 700. And she'll tell you all about it and how happy she was with this. But now she's ranked around 440 because she reached the semifinals of the WTA
2: 125K series in Houston. Irina, how was that? It was honestly just super gratifying to be out there, to be able to compete at that level at my first WTA back. was just awesome there was there was some adversity that I had to really overcome um, that involved the cold weather and that also involved having to play three matches in one day which I know I've never done in my career and uh, I was just happy I was just happy playing I was just enjoying every single point win or lose it just really it felt awesome to be back
1: For those who didn't follow the results, she beat Taylor Townsend and Bethany Maddox-Sands in the same day. So it it has to be so gratifying. Did you have any concerns when you came back and your first couple tournaments maybe didn't go, they went okay, they went okay, but they didn't really boost you anywhere. And now do you feel justified or not yet?
2: 100%, I mean, the fact that I played, I've only played four events and three of the events, I've played the eventual winner and um yeah i'm playing i'm playing good tennis and i'm just really enjoying enjoying being out there and in a sense yes it does feel justified um but yeah i'm not even close to where i want to be very happy with where i'm at but uh yeah there's still a lot of work to do and there was a uh, for sure a moment of uncertainty right before i got back on the court and played my first tournament and it's like Well, I only have 12 tournaments where I can use my special ranking to get the ranking that I want to be at. And so there's a level of, you know, I I don't know if I'm going to be able to get it in those 12 tournaments. So to be able to be 440 after four tournaments is definitely going in the right direction. Well, it's great to see you back and happy to be back. Let's get into that interview we recorded
1: with Irina and Travis Hartman. So let's let's sum up your last year or so after the US Open last year, twenty eighteen, and if everyone who's seen the behind the racket might know a little bit more but tell us what happened after the US Open last year.
2: Uh, so pretty much I just, uh, I knew something was off. I was heading to the Chicago tournament and I was really more focused about what restaurant we were going at and where I was staying. More more concerned more than anything about that than actually, actually playing and hitting and trying to get better. And uh, I knew that Just I wasn't in a good headspace, if you will. And after I finished that tournament, even though I won a few matches, I just knew that I just couldn't go to the next tournament. And so I withdrew from Quebec City and decided to take a much-needed mental health break.
1: And Travis, what did you think when all of a sudden this girlfriend that you've known your entire time together has met a professional tennis player from the very first day you guys met pretty much – What did you think when she was like, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to stop.
3: No, you know, I I knew something was wrong, like she said. Um, She's always nervous, like, first round of any match ever. Like, I mean, we've been together a little over seven years, almost eight years now. And uh, she's always nervous at first round match. But as soon as she gets that first round win under her belt, I know that it's usually smooth sailing. You know, they're all nervous. And she's like, oh, I've had a really bad year. But usually a win kind of cures all that. But after she was playing her last tournament... Uh, she won and she she won pretty good and I messaged her, I was like, see, now it's not so bad. She wasn't happy still and that was the first time in literally almost eight years that after a win, she replied like that and I was like, oh no, like I I legit knew then I was like, okay, that's that's definitely not good. That's not healthy and uh, I definitely, I knew that she had to do some, some soul searching and some deep thinking because like I said, usually in all sports, a win is usually a cure all it really is. And when it's not, I think that's genuinely when you probably know that uh, something something's off and, and you need to do something different for sure. And I mean, that's what she's doing right now. And she's taking some healthy steps and, and definitely uh, is making the most of all of this.
1: So what was the process like? I mean, first, Travis, you you make an excellent point there because you might be in boxing. It's not the same as tennis, but winning usually does solve everything. And the fact that it didn't is a massive red flag. Are you know, what were you thinking in the first couple of weeks? Was it a relief to be like, you know what, I've been playing tennis for, I mean, you turn pro at 20. Let's give it a little summary here, right out of college junior year, I want to say. So it's been a few years, you would have gotten at least nine years on tour. Were you thinking relief?
2: I couldn't be more relieved. To be honest, I was just happy to not have to travel, not have to live out of a suitcase anymore. It was actually really funny because Travis was the one that ended up traveling more than me which was not a common occurrence and i just wanted to do everything under the sun that did not involve a tennis racket I remember a few weeks, maybe a month or two into my break, I had a racket that was just lying around and I held it in my hand and I kind of did a few shadow swings and I was just like, nope, I'm still not ready. (laughs) I'm still not ready. I'm still not interested whatsoever in playing. And I'm sure I told you many times, like, this is definitely something I need to do. And a lot of people just didn't think that I would go through with it, but it was one of the best years ever just because I was able to detach myself and kind of really evaluate life, if you will.
3: Not not even not even like reevaluate life. She actually, I can say this now, she genuinely learned how to live a normal life, which is most people don't realize this with tennis players or, or even professional athletes that Our lives are very abnormal, like we don't live normal lives, like we're traveling the world constantly, but you're not actually living that life, you're there to work, and you don't get to explore and actually live, and for the first time in our, like I said, almost eight-year relationship, we just built a new house together, we just got moved into this house, the first time ever, I got to see Irina trying her best to finally live a normal life. And it was crazy to say that, but like she's 28, 29 years old. And this is the first time I've ever seen her actually live a normal life. And what I mean by that is she would wake up and do her thing, but we would, we would do yard work. I mean, something so simple. She planted a garden. I mean, something so simple, but yet so satisfying and kind of normal and outside of the the competition realm. It was, it was very soothing to see her because I could see, that when she was planting a garden and we were just doing yard work, you know, mowing the lawn, something just so simple, yet brought so much joy to be able to do something normal for once. And that's that's what she was doing. And it was it was very satisfying to see that, honestly. And that's why for me, I always knew Irina could still play. I knew that she was talented, that she was healthy, and she was still young enough. But I seen it firsthand and she wasn't happy. And for once, over this break, she was extremely happy. And that was that was really cool to see her in, kind of outside of the tennis element. It was really um, to see her normal.
1: But it got a little bit old. I know you also got to go on a few more vacations. And you got to say yes to a lot more trips and things like bachelorette parties and weddings and things that maybe you would have said no to because of practice. So you definitely got a taste of the real world. There's no doubt about that. One year is a long time to be off the tour. But you're back. And what draw what drew you back and what was the process of you being like, okay, I've had, at this point, you would have had at least eight months totally off. So what's the process you went through to come back on tour?
2: It was actually a really interesting um, process because throughout the year, I was able to communicate with a sports psychologist uh, brought to you by the WTA, and she really helped me just kind of evaluate where my head was at, what my priorities were, and about eight months into my break, or six months into my break, I was just, I was just figuring out whether or not I really wanted to put the rackets down, or whether to give it another shot, but I still just hadn't pulled the trigger, and then I was, I was taking a walk with Travis one time, and I just looked at him, and I was just like, you know, is this, is this really it? Um, I was coaching a little bit, I was doing some hitting, part-time and still making decent money and also decided to open up a little meal prepping business. And I just looked at him and I was like, this is, I'm not, I don't, I'm not fulfilled. This is not doing it for me. And a few weeks after that, my sister, my financial advisor decided to get together in a meeting and uh, she just kind of was very honest, very sisterly. And she was like, look, I don't think you're done. I really don't think you're 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 done at all and you can do your coaching you can do your meal prepping for the next 30 50 years of your life but pro tennis you have five ten years max and um, the next day the very next day I decided to go practice and I haven't looked back since and I've definitely experienced some hardships coming back whether it's injury whether it's it's mainly injury but um, I've really enjoyed being back. And as long as I'm happy, I'm going to keep playing. And that's the priority at the moment. Ten years seems like a bit of a stretch from
1: Stephanie Falcone. I'm going to throw that out there. Oh, wait, she got married. So uh, different last name now. But that's, that's I think, five years. You think like you're 29. You definitely easily would have five more years. But have you thought about that? Because it's kind of like step by step. And you're playing tournaments again. And like you said, you got injured a little bit the first one. Have you thought long-term at all, or is it just day-by-day day still?
2: I would say it's definitely day-by-day. Day. Um, I'm looking forward to the Australian Open. It's my favorite slam of the year, and I just I cannot wait to go back. And thankfully, I was able to meet all the requirements for a special ranking. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited of the journey if you will i'm currently ranked 700 in the world and when i saw that ranking i just i was i was ecstatic and a lot of people wow would say like wow that's probably not the greatest ranking but to me it was a big deal it was a huge jump
3: i think what a lot of people are kind of afraid to talk about these days is like mental health and uh irena talked to a a a psychologist you know a sports psychologist and i think that a lot of people used to think that that was kind of faux pas but i can tell you you know, I this, this, this interview is about Irina, but I'm a professional boxer and I had to talk to a sports psychologist and I thought it was really, really, I don't know. I mean, I'm a man, so I thought it was emasculating almost to have to talk to somebody, but it's true. Mental health is a big deal, especially in sports because – you athletes, especially tennis, it's one-on-one. I mean, they endure a lot of, uh, stress and worry. And then especially the outside sources of all the, you see all the trolls, they really, really are big in women's tennis. I mean, these tennis players go through a lot mentally, even outside the game. So I just, I think it was amazing what Irina did mentally to what she, to get to where she's at right now. I mean, she talked to this therapist and she did a lot of stuff on her own as well to kind of, uh, maybe show more attention to her mental health than she ever did before. And I think that's something that should be commended. I think it's something that I think all athletes need to know that don't ever let your mental health slide because that's the most important thing you have. Uh, your body is one thing, but your mental health is a very important thing. And I, I think that tennis players, and, and I think hopefully Irina has kind of set a trend that it's it's okay to talk to sports psychologists and, and actually do the the drills and do the homework that they give you and actually go through the process because that's what got her back on tour I mean there's a lot of other things like she said talks with me and talks with her sister and everybody else but honestly at the end of the day I think it was the sports psychologist having her kind of get in deep inside of herself and it kind of brought out the the meaning of her playing tennis and the love of her playing tennis and I think that's why she's at where she's at right now and she's kind of you know ready to be back on tour
1: Exactly, because she just said a ranking of 700 made her ecstatic. Well, around last year in August, September, she was ranked in the 150s and she was miserable. So the mind is such a delicate and incredible thing. And the perspective of an athlete is so important. And we had Noah Rubin on recently and he talked about mental health a lot. And it's nice to hear a guy and you as well talking about it so openly because it's getting more and more common to be open about it but it's definitely got a lot more a lot more work can be done in that in that realm especially for tennis players because it's all you're by yourself so much like there's so much that can go wrong with you physically and mentally but then for people who don't know irena was ranked as high as number 63 in the world Won a wta title has been in the third round of grand slams so to be playing itfs again and to be happy doing it is honestly a testament to kind of your motivation right so like you played in california your first tournament back got injured. Then you made the quarterfinals of a tournament in Macon, Georgia, losing to the eventual champion. Then you played in Tyler and lost to the eventual champion again. That's insane to me that you've lost your last two tournaments to the
2: eventual champs. Does that make it feel better or not at all? It's funny you say that because I actually love when they win the tournament. Makes me feel really good about myself. Um, Yeah, some people may say, oh, that's bittersweet shows you could have won the tournament. No, like, you know, she, they bested me. And I remember looking at Katarina Stewart after she beat me and I looked at her and I was like, hey, like win the tournament. And, uh, sure enough, she held, she held her word. Um, she was able to do it. And, uh, with Mandy Manella is, she's also a veteran. She's coming, she's come back from having a baby. And, uh, it, it almost felt like we were in a, main draw grand slam playing because we we've both been there before and uh to be gutting it out it was like 9 30 by the time we ended up finishing our match and i had warmed up at like 12 o'clock that morning so it was a long day it was a battle but i'm glad that she won i i was really happy i was looking at her scores and i was like all right she must be playing well so i didn't feel too bad about it
1: Hey everyone, you're listening to the Tennis.com podcast with special guest, usual co-host, Irina Falcone. We're grilling her on her comeback to the tour. Keep listening. Has there been any moments, either in practice or these tournaments, I mean, I know you're playing against some players that are unfamiliar, we know Mandy Manella, but some players that are really young, that are unfamiliar, they're new, do you ever have moments where you're like, what am I doing back? Or does the the drive still, everything still feels good, you're still playing the game you love?
2: I think even if you're top 10 in the world there's moments where you're like, "Oh my gosh, what am I doing?" Uh just because that's sports for you. Uh you could win a match and then the next round you can lose to someone that you maybe in quotation shouldn't have lost to, but that's that's just tennis, that's just sports and for now as long as I'm keeping my head and keeping happiness as the number one priority, I'm I'm going to keep doing it and I'm I'm going to continue doing it until Until I'm no longer happy on the court.
3: you made such a great point when you you said the word perspective and i think that that's the thing that the psychologist has really helped her with is like it puts things into perspective because i can tell you being with Irina, and i became really close with a lot of the girls on the tour and all of the girls are constantly checking the rankings they're constantly they're always looking at their rankings and as a tennis player that's you know that that, it's very important but they overdo it and they stress themselves out so much so the funniest thing is to see Irina being super happy about being ranked 700 and i'm like that's to me to me cuz i personally have seen it all with all the tennis players the top tennis players even just to see her that i just knew i was like she's in a good place i mean she's super happy about being ranked 700 in the world so i immediately i was like you know what she's in a good place and that's that's something that's important that people need to know that just because you talk to a sports psychologist it doesn't mean you're going to win what it does is it gives you perspective it helps you deal with losses more more than anything to be honest it's it helps you deal with the wins and the losses the up and the down and i constantly tell people being on tour with I is just like it's a roller coaster man like it's a roller coaster and as much as the players go through it the coaches and the, the significant others and the people around them they go through the same roller coaster because it's just emotion it's up and down i mean you could win you know two really good matches and then lose that third match and you're just so down on yourself but you forget you just won two matches, but oh, you lost one. Oh my gosh, it's not the end of the world. And I think that that comes with age, but it also comes with putting things in a perspective and talking to somebody professional, like a therapist, like a sports psychologist, or even your friends. I mean, before people need to talk more, and that's the whole thing about all of this. And this is what Irina has been so open through all of this. And I think that's the positive um, that she's taking away from this. Like I said, it's not about winning. It's not about winning. It's the journey. And that's what she knows. And that's why she's not putting a lot of pressure on herself. And it's helping a lot. It's helping deal with the losses. It's helping deal with the ups and the downs. I mean, there's just such a famous quote that says, don't believe everything good they say about you and don't believe everything bad they say about you. It's somewhere in the middle, and you just have to know that don't let people build you up and don't let them break you down. You have to just kind of know to be right in the middle and be in the center of all of that and It's a little easier for her now because she's twenty nine she's talked to a sports psychologist, she has good people like you, your best friend. she's always talking to you she's got good people around her, like Madison Keys as well. Madison's always helping Irina, and they're always talking back and forth and it's it's positive man communication it's the it's the key to it all
2: in addition to what Travis said I mean. I think maturity also is a huge thing for me as well just because I I speak to young girls right now and, you know, they're grinding five, six hours a day and I'm over here like once a day hit is perfectly fine with me. I've been invited to a few trips that probably nine years ago I wouldn't have taken, but now I'm like, you know what? If it makes me happy and it's not gonna hinder my tennis, why not? Um, I've been very adamant of making this my year of Yes. Um, uh, whatever it is, you know, whatever I have to try, wherever I want to go, like people ask me all the time to do stuff, and I just the answer is yes. So if you like, I guess you could say that I'm the yes woman, <laughs> if you will.
3: Let, let's let's not joke around here. She she says yes to everybody else, but she still says no to me. So it's not her complete yes here. <laughs> Make sure everybody knows oh that.
2: Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, I I'm just I'm just excited to know that I'm mature enough to say. Yes, to things that I probably wouldn't have before. And I know that Travis was very adamant about this in the beginning because I would put tennis, I think, in front of almost everything, Um, sometimes in front of family, sometimes in front of friends. And he didn't understand it. And back in the day, like that was just the way it was. And now it's like. Tennis is third, maybe fourth, compared to everything else. Happiness is the number one thing. Health, God, family, friends, that's all so important. And I think back when I was younger, I probably didn't have the best perspective, didn't have my priorities straight. So I think right now I'm in a really good place where my priorities are really straight and I know what's important. You have a better balance, basically. I mean, you have a house, you have, you have
1: Travis, you have a better perspective of your career. I mean, it's all kind of seems to be lining up for you. Do you have goals? I mean, you said Australian Open, so that's going to be a big one. Is that something you're for sure going to be playing?
2: I'm for sure going to use my special ranking for that. I've done really well there before. It's my favorite event. I love the people there. I love the way it feels over there. And I don't mind the trip. I really don't. Looking forward to having a great off-season along with some vacation as well. So yeah, there. I wouldn't say that there's no goals, but I would say that as long as I'm healthy and I'm playing and I'm happy, I mean, that's really my biggest goal. But you had a taste, a
1: small taste of the real world, and you mentioned you tried to do the food planning business, or you are doing it, a little bit of coaching and lessons and stuff. Did that taste scare you a little bit, or are you thinking, hey, I want to do what I'm happy doing for the next five years, maybe 10, sure. And then you're more prepared for going back. You're not going to have a kick in the face like you maybe did in September. You're going to have a bit more of a comfortable feeling going back to what is the regular world for everybody else.
2: It's weird because my real world is professional tennis, which is like not the real world. And Travis actually makes fun of me sometimes. Like I'll make comments or say certain things. And he's like, you know, this is not tennis. You know, this is actual life. Like, you know, you can't just think it's going to be... All about you all the time. You're not always a talent, even though I think I try to be all the time. All about me. Um, I think that the fact that I was able to do a few things in my year off, the fact that I was able to also do some commentating, I was able to open some doors that maybe wouldn't have been open if I wouldn't have taken this break. So I'm just taking it day by day. I know how vague and cliche that sounds, but that's really, that's really all I can do.
1: And being a Nona opens up a couple doors as well with the Tennis Channel being down there. You're going to be doing some commentating, more commentating. The podcast started a year ago, kind of a year and a half ago now. Kind of started as like a project between the two of us, but I think it's really helped develop a skill set. So let's talk about this podcast here. Why did you say yes and how do you think you've learned and do you enjoy it still?
2: Well, like I said, it was my year of yes. and. uh To be able to talk about tennis is pretty awesome. I could talk tennis all day. I don't get to do it very often, but it was a wonderful opportunity, came at the right time, and I feel like I can talk about tennis with anyone, and to be able to do it with so many different people and so many different um, stages in life, I think it's been really rewarding. Um, I've learned so much, and there's been a few times where I'll come out of a podcast and be like wow, I had no idea of this person's background or, you know, I didn't know their story. And uh, it's just been very eye-opening, I think. And yes, I'm still enjoying every second of it.
1: (laughs) That's kind of the idea, I think, initially when we started this, was to get full, unfiltered conversations, including the one we're having right now.
0: With threats
3: to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial.
1: Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast with Irina Falcone and her boyfriend, professional boxer Travis Hartman. He's talking about what it's like to be the significant other of a pro player on tour. Keep listening. And Travis, I'm gonna I'm going to flip this on you a little bit. You don't have to answer this. Were you a little bit worried when she initially stopped because you've known her as the person that has a pretty good income, a steady income, and now it's like, hey, you have no income and you're dating somebody who has to figure out their first job kind of in a way that's not professional tennis.
3: What do you think about that? No, I mean, I think that's a phenomenal question because not only just that financial aspect of it all too, it was more of the... We had to come into a different part of our relationship even. I mean, you have to think about it. For seven and a half years, our relationship was centered around tennis. So we had to actually get to know each other. And there were some bumps. I'm not going to lie. I mean, we there were some bumps in the road through this whole year off because we're not used to seeing each other every single day, morning and night. It was awesome for sure because I never, me and her both had never, we traveled together for a couple of years on the tour for sure, but never in our own home did we get to stay in one place not live out of a suitcase and get up and down we have dressers we have we have laundry i mean we're doing it's crazy to say this but like we're doing normal things and it it actually took some getting used to because we're not used to that both of us it was just not normal for us so it did take some time for me personally to get used to it it took some time for her too because i think more so it affected her with the, with the finance just in her head meaning she's like oh my gosh you know i'm not making any money anymore like it was more of that uh, her getting over that because I didn't really care because I know Irina is extremely smart with her money so when she took this time off it was not financially motivated or nothing had nothing to do with any of it because she's taking care of her money thanks to her sister at Morgan Stanley but Irina's taking care of her money so well so that really never. Never creeped into my mind at all because I know she's a hard worker, I knew she'd always figure that out and and I'm a hard worker as well, so you know we're both in this together, you know we bought this house together we're we're paying the bills together um it's It's always been a teamwork for this for sure, which is cool because. She plays in a singular sport. I play in a singular sport. So we're not really used to having a team, so to speak. So me and her being on the same team, it's helped a lot. You know, we, we've we definitely been able to lean on each other quite a bit um, off and on. And like I said, it's not always been sunshine and butterflies, man. It's It's been rough up and down for sure. Uh, but, you know, we made it through it and we're making it through it every day. And I 100% support her coming back because I see the light in her eyes and I see her happy. And at the end of the day... I want to see her happy, and I think every significant other, that's what they want, because a happy Irina is a cool Irina, so when Irina's cool, my life is good too, so I want to see her happy, if that means going back out on tour and doing what makes her happy, then I am like 100 million percent all about it, the only thing is this time around, I'm not going to get to travel as much with her, so that, that does kind of suck a little bit, we gonna have to go through another phase in our relationship to where she's traveling again, so it's going to take a lot of getting used to. but. I mean, you're either in it for the long haul or you're not, so uh, we've chose to be, and that's why we've almost been eight years, so we're still there, we're still fighting the good battle, and she's fighting the good battle again, uh, playing tennis now. I
1: mean, there's a lot of other players having comebacks and stuff, you see um, players coming back after having kids or or having big injuries, so at least it's good to see such a collection of people that are making it work. But it's nice to have your opinions and your thoughts because obviously you're the co-host of a podcast, so I can ask you. Things that are a bit more ridiculous. So Travis, as well, thank you for uh, the candid honesty. You guys have absolutely killed it. No
2: problem. <laughs> That's what we're here
1: for.
3: Hey, it was it was my pleasure. I, I love doing this. This is awesome. I think what you guys have started is, is a really cool thing. And you guys being best friends and both being tennis knowledgeable, it's it's really good. It's It's cool to listen to you guys talk because you guys know what you're talking about. You guys have actually been there and done that, and it, it does help, and it comes through in your in your podcasts.
1: Yeah, I hope we're not, like, just using this episode to toot our own horns. That's not the purpose at all. The purpose was to kind of catch up with Irina because she is a player as well as a podcast co-host. And the fact that she took a year off, we kind of didn't really mention it at all. It was very casual. <laughs> we kind of left it alone. And then now that she's playing again, it's like, hey, we should probably – openly addressed this if she was okay with it and luckily she was more than eager to chat about things that sometimes aren't that easy like talking about mental health and talking about quitting tennis and having no idea what you're gonna do with your life is scary and uh, it's it's nice to be able to chat about
2: it openly that was a really cool thing about doing the behind the racket segment because I was able to chat about it and I was able to get my story out and I was actually surprised with the amount of players that came up to me and they were like, wow, I, I was so touched by your message because I've been feeling the exact same way and I want to take a break. And I, there was actually a player that reached out to me and was on the phone with me for an hour because she was just going through a really hard time. And sometimes just letting your fellow players, I know we're all competitors, but you know we're all going through battles. Um, and just letting someone know that you're there for them, it can really mean a lot to some people.
1: And it's brave. It's so brave to be open about it. I know that these conversations you're having are private, but Behind the Racket is not private, right? It's not private at all. And this podcast and any podcast is out there for the world to listen to and judge. So I uh, appreciate your candor and we'll have you back as a co-host next week. Travis, you're done. You're done forever.
3: Wow. I guess I didn't do a good job then, huh?
1: <laughs> you did a great job.
3: Wait, can this can this be your year of yes? So can I be back on? I'm just kidding, but you guys did awesome.
2: Thanks for having me.
3: (laughs) Thanks for having me as well. It's been a pleasure.
1: From the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, this has been the Tennis.com podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay caught up. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app, as well as Tennis.com slash podcasts. We're your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. We'd like to thank our team, editor and audio designer Luke Mahoney, Producers Alexa March and Sean O'Malley, and executive producers Shelby Coleman, Kyle Einhorn,
0: and Andy Chu.